What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the First Timers Podcast Show, where we offer insight, tips, and advice for first-time or long-time home buyers, sellers, and investors. I'm your host, Mikey T, personal home consultant, real estate agent, homeowner, and investor. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. Today, we're going to learn about what it's like to become a first-time. Uh, investor, and I got this crazy superstar sitting next to me. Um, you might know him from the Disco Fries, Nick Dietrich. Hey, we're joining up, the show. I know you don't have the uh, your headphones on, but we're gonna give a little turn it up. I'm not really a superstar because I, I just drove here in my own car. Yeah, and somebody driving. <laughs> He's lying. There's a black limo <laughs> downstairs. Hold on. Don't look back. It's a I love you so <laughs> well done. Well done. I love this song. So good. Oh my god. Thanks, this guy, he's a DJ, producer, husband, homeowner, investor. This guy is everything. You can look him up right now on Instagram at the Disco Fries at the Disco Fries and on Facebook. And uh, if you're you want to see this uh podcast and video it was shared there so nick thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me and it is dope you being here i'm excited for you to be here today i'm I'm excited too i'm excited about seeing you i'm excited about this guy and these microphones most importantly (laughs) because these these are the nicest mics how dope they sound so good too yeah you look like the silhouette of sinatra right now just man it's it's amazing what it does to you. We might have, to, we have, we have a... to change that camera angle. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, my I, wife has never said that to me. This is I'm gonna have to text her like this is some bull. This is a bro <laughs> never said this to me. Yeah, what the hell? So listen, Nick. I mean, there's so many layers to your onion. You know, there's so much that you have done in life. We have known each other for a long time. Uh, I mean, from I don't even know pre 2009, and well, you know when. You were doing DJing mostly, and I'm still rocking your uh, your drive over here. Wow, that's and impressive. I think, I think we did some kind of deal for me to get this drive, but <laughs> but that's amazing. Let's get a little little backstory on you, sure. especially before you uh, you started investing in homes, and let let people that don't know you learn a little bit more about Nick Dietrich, the Disco Fries, your time cooking. Uh, you were on the Food <laughs> Network. This guy. The, the post about food. If I could eat <laughs> dairy, I'd probably be like 700 pounds because every time I watch something that you post, I, I just want to go out and eat it. But Do you not eat dairy? Man, oh, man. It, I will eat all the dairy you can man, eat. Man, I'll tell you what. It, it's a problem in the house if I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. So we could jump right into it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my name is Nick from the Disco Fries. We are a an electronic uh, DJ production duo. Uh, my partner Danny could not be here. He lives in Virginia. It would be a bit of a drive, and he just had a, another kid. So that's, that's more the reason to leave. Now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> honey, I got I got work to do. Yeah, um, but yeah, we've been we've been making music together since college. Uh, we graduated from Berklee College of Music in 2008. Um, I've been playing music since I was seven years old. Started taking piano lessons on my seventh birthday. Uh, I knew I wanted to do music right away. Um, I was really interested in DJing, though, when I got to middle school. First middle school dance, I was like, what is that guy doing? I need to be doing that. And then I had this weird period of time between 
like, you know, going to that school dance and figuring out, like, how do I mold DJing and playing the piano together? I stepped into production um, around 14 or 15 years wow. old. Uh, but prior to that, I started DJing school dances first. It was my first gig, nope. my first job, and my only my only job. Really, I have not done anything different since the time I was 13 until now, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, that's very awesome. Uh but once I got into production, I fell in love with it. It was like the it was now, now, when the you, cream of the crop when you were of what 14, I could do in music. When you were 14, it's not like it is now that, you know, as big as YouTube is and, mm-hmm. you know, EDM DJs and producers, they're huge now. So I think it, it, it becomes a, a deeper desire at that time of life to, to know that this is, a, you know, kind of where you want to go, right? I, well, here's the thing. So... My dad, God bless him, he worked his ass off. Worked his ass off. Uh, now he's retired and living the, the good life. But uh, I saw him going to work every day. Guy hated his job, and I never wanted that yeah. to be me. I mean, I saw that from the time I was a little kid, uh, which, you know, like I said, God bless him that he did it, put a roof over our heads. He uh, did what he had to do. Did what he had to do. Uh, but it was the biggest inspiration for me to want to do something different, not to have to feel like I'm working. Yeah. Um, and luckily I had super supportive grandparents. So when my parents were at work, they were pushing me on piano. Cause you know, at like eight years old, you're not yeah, trying yeah, to sit nah. there for an hour. No, you don't want to sit there and play the piano for an hour. At so eight. combination of really good upbringing, uh, got me to a point where I was able to go to school for music, go to college for music. And, um, Honestly, it wasn't the college education per se, but my partner Danny and I met freshman year. We were roomed together randomly. Wow. And then after that, we started making music together. Two very different people. I was very hip-hop. He was very indoor kid, emo rock. (laughs) Uh, But we both loved dance music. So we started making dance music, happened to make a remix for Flo Rida, Uh, went platinum, and the snowball yeah, it just began. It started so, going from there. Yeah. Now, at, uh, did you go to uh, like a school for music before going into college? No, uh, I didn't. I, I went to RBC here in Red Bank, New yeah. Jersey. So uh, just probably the uh, just average Catholic school, yeah, yeah, high the, school education. No big you know? music program no. there, nothing. No, in fact... I was in the marching band freshman year, and there were 15 kids in the marching band. <laughs> so it couldn't have been smaller yeah, as, right? as far as like a music program, no real production or anything like that. So um, all my stuff was self-taught. I'd go home, and I'd, I'd just do music. I'd find like local rappers and other producers and stuff in the area. I'd have them over at my parents' house, which you know they were thrilled <laughs> with having all these random dudes who <laughs> did hip-hop over in the basement. But I did that like from eighth grade freshman year through college wow um and that was how i learned i just learned the real way yeah and that's the only way to learn is you just got to get dirty you got to learn from failures and what didn't work right just getting getting uh getting your experience yeah under the uh the headphones basically for you and now you were producing your own you were making your own music at that point for these rappers yeah so i started a label when i was 15 uh, and we started pressing CDs. I was at Mammoth Mall, Freehold Mall, hustling CDs with other rappers and stuff. Uh, label was called 98 Proof, and that was my first introduction into not only like music uh, production, but music business and how to how to package something together as a product and brand something. And 
and put it out and release self-release as an artist. Um, another like invaluable experience and like, you know, I kind of just threw myself into it, lost a lot of money, I'm sure. uh, but learned a, a hell of a lot. Man, and, and it's great that you had supportive parents and grandparents there kind of, you know, it really that, that foundation at home means a lot. It's a game yeah. changer. And sure. it's one of the reasons why now Danny and I are super supportive of up and coming producers. It's a big part of our label is, is having people on board and releasing that are that are just trying to get their start. Super talented, but can't get a break. Uh, so we try to coach them and, and bring them on and mentor them and. Uh, we actually started a um, <coughs> we started a Telegram group. Uh, so Telegram is an app similar to like WhatsApp and stuff, uh-huh. but you could start groups on there and uh, give people a link to join in the conversation. So we started a Telegram group of just producers and DJs and musicians where we could kind of share production tips. They could share amongst each other, and it's a good like just community building thing. Yeah, that's great because so. I'm without you know it, it's so hard now to get people that have had some type of success in any industry to give back because a, a lot of people get within their own heads and they're like, well, I'm, I'm doing me. You figure out how to do you. I had to figure it out. And, you know, you guys giving back, I, I've seen it online. I've seen where you posted videos and you had, you know, where people came in with questions and you went over programs and, and how you did certain things. I mean, I didn't understand any of it. If it's not Serato, <laughs> I'm, I'm not too hip on it. But um, it, it's, it's a great uh, trait to have. And it, it's, it just shows, you know, where you came from and who you are inside to, to giving back. Because so many people, they, they just don't want to give back. I, I think it's a combination of not maybe not wanting to, but it's more so people don't think they have the time to do it or they, they say they're going to do it and they never get around to it. Yeah. Um, and this is practical for us. Like we wanted to do it, but it's it's I don't want to say it's easy because I don't want it to make it seem discount the idea. But like it's easy for us to put out a video and say, this is how we made this or this is how to do this. And that changes the game for some people. So, yeah, why not? Yeah. And and, and I'm under the belief that you could show someone everything you did to make a song. They're never going to make another song like you because you and Danny, you have your own two heads and your own flavor and people could only copycat, but so much. So putting out content on how you do stuff and like me letting other people know in real estate, how things are done. And you're going to give us some insight on, on uh, investing. People could copycat if they if they take the opportunity to learn something and do their own thing. That's that's where they're they're making out. But if they uh, just try to straight up copycat what you're doing, they're, they're going to fail. Gonna, they're going to fail. Gonna yeah, work the right way. Yeah. So, um, at what point did you start to think of getting into uh, real estate and and that type of investing? So uh, I was in high school and. I had a history teacher by the name of Mr. Gilroy. And Mr. Gilroy said... That's a great teacher's name, Mr. Gilroy. And he was, he was like one of my favorite teachers he by far. He sounds inspirational. Yeah, like, Just with the name. Young dude. Yeah. Mr. And Gilroy. I had a Mr. Miola. Like, 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 that guy was... The name, it just yeah. it does a lot. It inspires. It like, he's going to have the biopic about him in a couple of years. And it, it, the only thing... It, you know, he had talked about tons of stuff. He'd pontificate in class sometimes. Nothing crazy, but, you know, try to, like, teach some life lessons aside from, like, sticking to the book. But one of the things he said was, I had a goal when I was, he said, like, when I was in college, 
I said to my father, I had a goal that I wanted to buy a house. And when I got out of college, I bought a house. And I was like, that's a, that's a dope goal. <laughs> yeah. I want that goal. Yeah. To, like, just thinking it through, I was like, I want that goal. That's an awesome goal. So when I got... Are we good? Hello. Uh-oh. What's up? Is that Alexa? Do we have an Alexa in here talking to us? <laughs> we do. <laughs> Alexa's joining in. Yo, what's that? How funny is that? <laughs> so, this is needless to say, when I was when I was in college, and I kept this stuck with me. When I was in college, I was like, when I get out, I really want to buy a house. I just kept saving. I'd go home like every other weekend. I would DJ. I would do weddings and sweet sixteens. You remember oh, the whole yeah, thing, yeah. man. And I walked out of college in May and put a down payment on a house in October. Wow! It was my first townhouse. Which we're in the process of selling. This is why this is so timely. Yeah. Uh, but that was, I've had it for 10 years. Um, that was my first, like, I'm going to achieve this as far, outside of music, because I always have like goals in music because that's my career and that's what I love doing. But that was my first, like, this is a life thing. I want, this is going to be a life moment. I want to achieve this. How do I get there? What are the steps, steps that I take to get there? And I made it happen. Which not only is it awesome that I was able to do it, but the process of learning, learning how to invest, learning how to save money the right way, yeah. along the way was amazing. Wow, and it, and it was like that seed was planted from that one teacher. Yeah, that's crazy. Just that little idea yeah. was a game changer. So it's it's interesting, you know, for other people who might be watching who are maybe in real estate, outside of real estate, things you say to people they matter, like. Just because you say something like kind of on a whim, like it makes a difference. Yeah, things like it, that make it a difference. Just click, and that stuck with you. And and uh, wow, I mean that that's you never truly know the impact you have on somebody. Especially, I mean, teachers have a huge impact on kids, mm-hmm. and, and they never know what they say, how they how it's going to affect. Have you ever seen the teacher? I haven't, and no. I've always wanted to run into him or whatever. And I don't even know if he still works there or anything, okay. but. But yeah, I, I do want to. I want to tell him this story and just you know say thank you. So now during that time, how did you uh, learn uh, saving techniques and stuff like that? I mean, was it just kind of grind and, and save? And- I mean, my family, my my grandmother buys like ten. 40 boxes of macaroni. She's gonna eat one every other month. But if they're on sale, she's buying yeah. them. That's the family I come from. We, my, my father treat as he says he treats nickels like manhole covers. <laughs> like everybody's a big saver. Yeah. Um, so I mean, since I was a little kid, it's always been like, oh, you find a quarter, put it in the put it in the piggy bank, like yeah. type situation. But I mean, carrying that through, like I started investing in stocks uh, when I was in college, like really recklessly buying like. You know, penny stocks, this, that, and blowing $300, $500 here, whatever. I'm just BS. Yeah. You know, I take money from a DJ gig, which was good money, three yeah. to 500 bucks on whatever, and then I'd put it on some BS penny stock. You, you thought um, you were a big day trader. Yeah, but then I'd slowly, like, I'd grab Marvel stock or I'd grab McDonald's, like some bigger stuff, because then I started reading, like, oh, you got to diversify. So yeah. I'd start big, grabbing some bigger stuff. And then I'd play around with that and do, like, some short-term trading. And then I learned, like, wow, some of these, if I hold on, you know, some I kept for a little bit longer and I'd see a better return. So yeah. I started learning the idea of, like, 
Well, you know, unless you're day trading and you know what you're doing 100% and you have the time, it's better to do a long term. Yeah, to hold. Right. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. One of the first big ones I bought was Altria, which I know is a questionable Philip Morris. <laughs> that whole, like, I know it's not the best uh, yeah. stock for some people yeah. uh, as far as a moral stock, but it has a high dividend. And I watched that one grow, and it did really well for me. And then I bought, um, like I said, I bought Marvel, which turned into Disney, and then Apple and Google and Amazon, and I got in on Amazon um, at a decent point. So things started kind of just rolling into yeah. each other. And, and did anybody introduce you to that type of finance, or was this something that kind of... I mean, loosely talked about in the house. Like, my dad had some stocks here and there, but like... Not really. It was more me going on E-Trade and buying stuff. And then once royalties started to happen and I started making money from music, I wanted a place where I could put money that I wouldn't touch it. Like yeah. not a checking account, not a – like I need to live like I'm broke at all times or I get like crazy anxiety. <laughs> so I was like, where can I put money where I'm not going to touch it? Yeah, What's where the you hard don't see it. Yeah. yeah, like it needs to go in an E-Trade account or something. So it's a hassle to get to it. Yeah. Um, you know, addictive personality. It's just <laughs> well, the way it is. When, when you have those barriers and it's like, all right, do I really need the money? Do, should I take it out? Now I got to pay capital gains on it. You, you start thinking yeah. about every other reason not to take it. And then eventually you, that thing you really didn't need, you don't buy. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I'll spend recklessly on food. Like it's my number one source. <laughs> yeah, of- if, you, if you follow him on Instagram, <laughs> this guy has no food budget. <laughs> no, there is no food budget. Yeah. So, like, honestly, some people gamble, some people do this, that. Yeah. No, like, food is, like, a problem. And I'm like, right. yo, we're going out to this dinner and we're doing this, that, and a third. And, like, I, it, was, it was a good way to stay controlled and a good way to just, like, put Well, you have to reward yourself at, in, in some way. I, I you know do. if if, if well, yeah, you do. <laughs> but you know I, I think uh, there's some people that are on the spectrum where it's just work save work save work yeah. and they don't reward themselves or their family at all and th- that's also not a great life to live either you know right. I mean you have to have some kind of a balance I don't know if there's a, an exact balance but you know for you going out to dinner wherever you want or having an outlet is is important no I I think yeah. it's especially now we're in a time where it's just you, not everybody thinks about something like that. It's yeah. either you're you're freaking reckless, or you're on the other side where you're just work, 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 spend, yeah. uh, save, save, save. Um, and there's like that that middle ground is nice balance. Yeah, super it, important. I mean, you know, life is so short. I mean, we all hope to live a long life, and you kind of you you have to save and, and look forward for that, but you also have to live in the now because you don't know. I mean. Anything could happen to anybody at any time. Right. And I have family members that are on the extreme work, 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 and they're dived into finance like 24-7. That's all they think about. And I go, man, like that, I don't want to live that life. I want to create some memories for my kids along yeah. the way because by the time they're 10, 12, whatever, they're, now they're going out with their friends. I'm not cool anymore. you know. But, but they're going to remember <laughs> going out camping and, yeah. and you know, today uh, – I just I had my son, me and him. We went out to uh, my my office in Bell Works, played some uh, some foosball, some, awesome. some ping pong, whatever. It, but it's like sometimes you just got to disconnect and and say like, all right, I'm not I I can't worry about the money so much today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to as as an adult and mm-hmm. as you get older and you have responsibilities and kids. Um, but it, it's important to to kind of also know that that can't be everything. 
Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I, and I think real estate investing is, I mean, it, it could be aggravating at times, especially when you own properties. But, you know, if you if you buy right, that could be an income stream where you, you don't have to worry as much and and uh, kind of like those better stock purchases. It's, it's a part of your portfolio, right? Yeah, so I, what's been interesting is like, so my first uh, townhouse that we're talking about, I uh, was in a you know townhouse neighborhood had an HOA, uh, probably the biggest point of pain in my life right now. The HOA, HOA fee is heavy. It's heavy in in uh, I think New Jersey as a whole, but yeah. um, in this particular neighborhood, it's an old neighborhood. They are very conservative with how they run everything. They don't spend a lot, but they also keep high reserves, and the heat is bundled into the HOA. Okay. So um, it, the costs are just. Astronaut. Over time, they've grown to a point where it's a turnoff for now. Me trying to sell yeah, it for for a new a new buyer, right? They they see this high HOA, and a new buyer may not even know the cost of heating a place, mm-hmm. and and that that could be a big cost of the HOA that fee. You know, heating a home in the well, it's know, an old system too. Yeah, it's probably an old steam system or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so there's a high cost of heat, and that's built into there, but. Yeah, I mean, you got the HOA, the insurance, and all this other stuff, and that could be not only a turnoff, but financially, sometimes the people can't qualify. That's been the biggest problem because, I mean, the unit shows amazing, Yeah. uh, but the qualification has been a problem. Now, I've done the square foot uh, math versus other townhouse neighborhoods in the area that are comparable. We're one of the lowest, but the problem is I was one of the biggest units, so once you (laughs) – yeah. You do the math across how many square feet it is, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, so kind of a tricky situation. Uh, I think ultimately, like, we'll land in renting it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, have another rental property in New Jersey. So that's been, uh, luckily, my financial advisor lives in Florida. Uh-huh. Older guy, super conservative with uh, how he invests and this, that, and a third. Advised me against renting this other property. It was like, no, just sell it. Get rid of it. Now, this other property, did you purchase it? This was a family family property. Uh So um, I was like, you know what? Can always sell it. Let me just try this. Like, if it doesn't work... Um, I had some emotional attachment to it, but once, once I really thought it through and and stuff, I was like, let me just try it. Um, and luckily my music manager at the time had good rentals. So he was like, dude, just do it. If you get like a crap tenant, you hate being a landlord, just dump it. Yeah. Then it's fine. Um, luckily, like I said, my father's retired now, so (laughs) he's my, my day to day guy. However, um, it's been the best move that I could have made in my life for yeah. investing. Uh, it's worked out really well. Of course, there's things that happen. Like right now, I need to get a new lawn guy. It's annoying. I don't want to like have to deal with lawn guys when I'm trying to make a track. Yeah. yeah. However, <laughs> um, as far as an income property and, and making it make sense financially, it's it was uh, one of the best moves I've ever made. Now, uh, when it comes to like... Uh you know, problems kind of like your lawn guy, the water heater goes. I mean, is your father right now like your go-to superintendent? Yeah, day to day for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we live like 30 minutes apart and he's closer than uh-huh. I am. Uh, but overall, like 
it's it's coming out of my pocket and I have to make the decision on what happens and what doesn't happen or like now I'm probably going to have to like go there and cut the freaking lawn because <laughs> I can't get a lawn guy to come every other week. But yeah, by, uh, t- And that's something, you know, a lot of people don't think about is that a lawn person. Uh, I know I've rented before and some some rentals, they added that as a part of the rent. Like you have to cut your own lawn. Mm-hmm. Um then there's other rentals where they they paid for lawn service. So, uh, you know, as a, as an investor, as a, a landlord, that's something that's on your plate. You know that most yeah. people it's it's one of those line items that you don't think about until you're like, who who's going to cut this lawn? Well, my thing I was advised by my father-in-law um, at the time, and he was like, listen, if you're going to do this, uh, one of the things I'd look out for because I've seen it with rentals, they let the lawn go. Yeah. They don't care about it. They'll cut it like once a month. They just don't care because they it's usually not theirs. they're not permanent there and it's not theirs. So just build it into the rent. And it, it was a great idea and it's been great up until this week. <laughs> so. Of course, that's how it is. <laughs> and then after that, it's something else. Yeah. Now, uh, how many tenants have you had come in and out of there? Uh, so there's a new, there's uh, without getting into too many details, yeah. but uh, there's under 10. Uh-huh. Um but there was like a group living there, and then another group kind of rotated in, um, and now there's a new one in. So now, how, how your experience with these tenants have they all been good or? You know, it's it's relative. Yeah, uh, I think because I rented with a couple buddies in college, and the way we acted and treated that place, <laughs> anything is a step above <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so unless you know. Unless somebody is like, for 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 all intents and purposes, shitting on the floor <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen, like anything's better yeah. than uh, than a college life in a house. So, yeah. um, I have a, le- a very low bar. However, my father goes over and it's like if he sees like a pinhole in the wall, it's it's a problem. So, um, you know, it's relative. Yeah. Now, now, how do you normally go about finding your tenants? So, uh. Zillow has been a big help for me. I know it's, there's a lot of points of contention with realtors about Zillow. Yeah, I, uh, I but, could go into a whole episode on that. <laughs> uh, but for for me, as like a self yeah propelling thing, uh, not having a realtor involved, uh, Zillow is awesome for finding people and and truly and stuff because it's all connected. But um, really, one of the biggest values that I found was uh, my tenant screener which I know there's a few different pieces of software similar, but that that one was the most thorough for me, mm-hmm. uh, where people can go on. I don't know if you've probably talked about this already. No, no, but no. Basically, my tenant screener, if you are a landlord, you can go on, uh, put in the address of the property, what you're getting for rent, security, whole nine yards, and send a private link to your potential tenant. They have a secure application, which you can either pay for or they can pay for, however you opt to do it. Uh, and then they get... Uh, background check, you get a full score on kind of it's it's not zero to hundred, but it's like some arbitrary number like yeah. a hundred to a thousand as to where they fall on the stre- spectrum of being like safe to rent to. Um, so that qualifies them as their uh, delinquencies on credit, um, background check for you know anything that might pop up there, um, addresses they've lived at previously. Like if they're jumping from house to house, that's like a little bit of an alarm. Sure. Uh, like if they've gone year to year for the past ten years, like why in in one small area? Yeah. Um, 
just things to alert you to questions to ask. Um, but it'll it'll kind of rate all that credit score and uh, pull it together into a number that's like, all right, they're in the green zone. This is this is somebody that's potentially good or. There's not enough data here, like check into these things or just a hard no, like the credit's terrible. Everything's hard. Yeah. So um, my tenant screener, that's that's what it was. And that's what you kind of, you yeah. run through? Yeah, I went through that for a ton of people. Uh, recently, I used the Zillow one, which I wasn't as happy with. So Awesome. Um, now, uh, w- a lot of renters don't have the highest credit a mm-hmm. lot of times, you know, they, they they're in their position for whatever reason. Do you ever go back and do the like uh, you call references? Do you, do you dig into it? Yeah, more for yourself? sure. I mean, uh, I look at the house. It's my house, right? Yeah. So I treat it as a home. Um, would you want somebody coming into your house who you didn't know who had like all these random weird things popping up? Probably not. I know it's they're not living with you, but they're still living at your home. So. For sure. I dig in on everything. Call, references. Uh, you know, if I see funny things on the credit report, I usually just ask about them because uh, that same site does a good job of breaking it down by month. Like, if they missed a month of payment five years ago, who cares? Yeah, yeah. But, like, if they missed the past four months of their payments, like, why? Yeah, what's or, going like, on? What's the trigger for that? Yeah. So, um, communication with them and just kind of asking the right questions and you usually can tell like if somebody's being funny about it or if they legit like just got through something and now they're getting on their feet you can kind of i mean if you can read people even remotely like having that information and then having a conversation with them you should be able to pull all that information together and make a determination if they're going to be good or not definitely and i you know i see uh when i show some rentals uh, Sandy damaged homes. You have people there that lost everything mm-hmm. and they foreclosed on their house. You know, they had to walk away. So I've seen people in situations where they admitted, like, my credits, I don't have credit. Right. It's shot, um, but we'll pay six months in advance. Yeah. Or, or, you know, situations like that. And I, I think it comes down to really taking people on the individual basis because you could have someone with phenomenal credit, with a great history. And, uh, and, I, and this happened to one of my clients that I was the, right. the broker on and everything checked out and man, it was a headache getting <laughs> some money out of this person. And I go, it didn't so make bizarre. sense, you know, yeah. on paper, it all made sense. Right. But then once it came into practice, it was a problem, problem, problem. And, uh, and it really makes you reevaluate like, man, like, is there something else you could, you know, but I, I, at a certain point, you know, if someone has a great job, decent credit, everything kind of lines up. Right. You know, I mean, there's only so many parts of the puzzle. It's not like with the mortgage process, that guy goes through their credit and, their, you know, everything else. Um, For me, it's been uh, the most valuable thing aside from that whole background system has been the conversations with people. Like if you have any sense of a personality and can like sit down and have a conversation with them for even a half hour, if they're coming to your house to tour it, talk to them, like ask the right questions, but also just talk to them as humans and just see how they are as people. Yeah. Like, I think that that goes a long way beyond the background check, uh, just to see like what they're like. So relating this back to the music thing is like, we've had people, independent artists come to hire us for tracks and like great offers. The, the whole thing just makes sense. It's a great deal across the board. And then you get an email like every hour. <laughs> oh, can you just do this? Can we do this? Can we do that? Yo, can we, if we make the track, can you can we change it like this? 
And like, it gets to a point where you're just like, I'm not, yeah. it's not worth it. It's not worth it, yeah. So it's the same thing with this. Like, just have the conversations and, and read these people. Yeah, and I think you know, in d- deep down in your gut, I see, it, I, I let a client kind of, we parted ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, it just wasn't jiving on my end, you mm-hmm. know? And, and sometimes you just know that maybe your effort could go better somewhere else and you get a feeling when when someone comes in to rent uh you know all right do they seem all right you kind of you have to like sniff it out almost you know and then then the paperwork's kind of secondary almost right it's kind of hopefully it it affirms what you thought exactly one way or the other yeah yeah i mean i i have a a condo that we've rent out and uh i have someone that's been in there for over two years and great i have no problems no one calls me but they're consistently late, you know? Right, right, right. But it, it's to the point where I don't even kind of worry about it. Like, my wife would be like, hey, are you going to shoot him a text? Yeah. And and I go, there's no point. It it It's the 9th. They're good for it. Like, yeah. I'm going to shoot him a text on the 10th, and, and I'm going to look at the mailbox, and it's going to be there. It right, is what right. it is. And and that's part of being a landlord. It's it's kind of either you could get aggravated every day with little stuff like that. Right. Or you just budget accordingly, and you just know, like, okay, they're, they're always – within this time period, as long as they're not wrecking the place and crapping on the kitchen floor. I mean, it, it's yeah, all good. It, law of averages. Yeah, like, exactly. If they're good, like 90% of the time, then like you'll take that 10% that's not great. Yeah. Because who knows what other options are out there if it's going to be even half as good of a person oh, to be absolutely. in there. And, yeah. When you talk to enough landlords, I mean, right away they go to the horror stories. Right. You know, because that's all that they remember. I mean, mm-hmm. the good payers, they're not fun to remember. It's like, oh, Susie in, in Unit 3, like she pays every – Right. Like, who, like no one cares about because that money's coming in. It's, right, right, it's right. It's this guy that I had to go to court seven times. And, yeah. You know, those are the people that, that they recall and, and they'll scare you sometimes. If you talk to people that invest uh, – My financial advisor was that way. Yeah. And I get it. Like if you've had nightmare stories about it – and you have a day job and or you have another source of income and this is just kind of a secondary thing, why would you want to bother with it? It's it, like it more be- of a hassle than it's worth if you're getting nightmare tenants. Yeah. It, it could really like ruin everything. Especially uh, if you buy a house to rent and that house needs, you know, upgrades in the roof, the HVAC, the right. water. I mean, because the water heater, all that stuff goes when it's not a great time. It's, it's that course. phone call at... I mean, it happened to me at, an, you know, hey, um, yeah, the house isn't getting more than like 40 <laughs> degrees. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like right. right now, you know, now I'm calling my buddy. The next day we're bringing in a heater. We're, and and it, it's it's always – it never happens when you want it to happen. I mean, right. you never want it to. You never, right, but it doesn't yeah. happen between vacancies or yeah, anything like that. It's always you know, mid-rental period in – the coldest of weather, or the, of the, the the hottest of hot, and the AC goes, and and you really, if you're not a saver and you don't have some reserves or you don't have resources that maybe you could do things a little on the the lesser cost end. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I could do things pretty uh, cost effective because I could do most things. But even though it, I own a uh, condo, so I don't have to worry about the roof, the siding. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to worry about the windows, but. Like those are things that aren't going to really be a problem tomorrow. Right. You know right. the utilities inside. I replaced the the HVAC and the water heater, so now I'm good for. You know how gonna, to do a tremendous it. amount, yeah. especially compared to me. Yeah. I know how to do nothing. So uh, but, I think what's important there is if you aren't 
thrifty like you are, or handy rather. Yeah. Got to have a network. Yeah. It's like super important. And if you don't have a network, you got to have like a couple key people that you can go to and say, I know I can text you. Yeah. You got to have a you in, in, in your life to exactly. say like, hey, who should I go to for this? Yep. Um, and that just that just comes with like talking to people. Yeah. I mean, and, but if you can't do this stuff yourself, not only do you have to have the network, but you have to be smart financially to have some money. You can't spend the money that you're getting every month from the rent and just not thinking about like, oh, you, know, you have to have reserves Right. For the months that they're not going to pay, maybe. Or maybe someone gets sick and they can't pay you. You don't know what circumstances could happen through the rental period. And if something happens and you can't personally fix it, if you don't have that money in reserves or have a contingency plan, you could be left out there. I mean, I like to operate on the, the 20 to 30% rule with everything. So what I do in general, this goes for just regular money coming in, you know, on a record or uh, doing a show, whatever, or rental income, is I take 20 to 30% of what comes in and put it to the side, as if it doesn't exist. Yeah. So now I'm operating with 70% of that money. Let's just say it's $100. You get $100, 30 bucks to the side. So at the end of the year or end of the quarter, now you have money for taxes, you have money for all these other things that's set aside. But 70% now, let's just say you're operating with that uh, and you're carrying a mortgage on it. So if you get two grand in rent, your mortgage and taxes, if you're lucky, comes in at $1,000. So now you have $1,000 profit. You take $300 off of that. So you have $700 profit. And if you're smart, you won't blow the whole 700 <laughs> But at least you're like, you're covering some bases. So you're paying your expense out at $1,000. you are you are Keeping three hundred to the side, and you have seven hundred dollars you can play with. Now I think that, it's a fair amount of money. Now that's great advice, and I think that what some people don't think about doing is reverse engineering their numbers when they're looking to buy an investment property to say, okay, I'm going to rent it at this much, but I need to have reserve money built into there. I have to have money to pay my accountant and and all the, the professional fees that go along with owning a property. And then I have to pay my mortgage, your sewer, your landscaper, all this other stuff. And and so many times people go in and they're like, oh, I could get this house at a great price. And then the mortgage is already here. And then they, they're already cutting it close because they're, they're right. cash flow positive, but at a very low amount. Mm-hmm. So you really have to know your numbers or sit down with someone that could help you know your numbers. And, and then like overestimate everything. Yes. So like I just bought a, a new house and like. I I overestimated everything except the one thing I missed was like some of the furnishing and it has an outdoor area so I missed some of that. And now it's like all right, well, you just did a heavy down payment. You wanted to get I wanted to get a lower rate uh so I did a heavier down payment. Did all these things to like make sure I was covered on every base <laughs> and the only one I missed was like yo, I didn't leave some money behind for all this other stuff that yeah. I want to do like all right, what happens once you move in? And now you need a two thousand dollar couch, and now you need this. And that, outdoor furniture is expensive. Yeah, no, like yeah. once once you start adding up all those other things, it's a down payment on another small condo. Exactly, <laughs> it is. So uh, I think those are things to also think about. Like if you're buying, not to stretch yourself so thin, where it's like you're just gonna make it, and then you get in, and you're gonna be sitting on a lawn chair. Yeah. So yeah, you de- know, stuff. and and with investment properties. 
I think it's kind of glorified now to be a, a flipper or an investor and the properties are selling at a higher price right now. Mm-hmm. It's the bank ha- the banks have all these foreclosures, but it, it's like they know what they're doing. They're kind of holding, they're dribbing and drabbing them out. And even the foreclosures are getting sold pretty high, which then for the fix and flip, you got to sell it even higher. And uh, and then if you're buying and holding, it, it's it's another finance game that you got to get into. It, it, just getting into that whole world, it's not the same as uh, as, as it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Or um, a lot of times I'll suggest to people that want to get into investments, maybe buying a two-family or a house with a garage apartment. Learn how how to be a landlord close yeah the two family yeah. thing is awesome i have a, a close family friend uh who's doing the two family thing and it's been great for him he lives upstairs they live in the basement or not in the basement the, the lower floor and it's awesome yeah. i mean he's right there you're right there if and something that's happens, covering the whole thing so exactly i mean and then if something happens you're not trekking out in a storm to figure it out you, right. it's it's just there you can fix it and then if you look to buy another house, you have two fa- you have a two rentals yeah. already built in, boom, done. It's awesome. And you already know the 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 type of clients that you're going to get, the type of renters cuz mm-hmm. you've been there, you've been through the process. And if you move into a single family home, now you're not covering two separate homes, you got one property with multiple right. streams. I I think that's a great idea. I know it's not appealing for a lot of people. Because a lot of people don't want to live, ne- you know, right. they're like, I just left an apartment to live in an apartment again. Yeah, but, but if you think long term, if you're thinking about real estate, number one, and it's not just you're trying to make a quick buck. Like if you're thinking about real estate long term, you're already you should be in that mentality of like the 15 to 30 year mentality. Yes. Like, it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So yeah. if you're in a 15 to 30 year mentality, you can live like dirt for a couple years to get in a single family home, rent it out, get it get it up to snuff, and then by the time you're in there for four to six years, you should have enough saved if you're operating on the thirty percent rule. <laughs> you should have enough saved and banked that you can do your thing. Exactly, and uh, a good friend of mine, his mom back in the day, she was a single mom, four kids. She would buy properties in Avon, um, Spring Lake, Manasquan. This is when the properties were thirty, forty thousand dollars, and they would bounce from one to the other to the other. By the time she passed away, she had I don't know, thirteen properties. Oh my god! In in that's awesome. Know, in, in the Jersey Shore area, Spring Lake, Avon, Manasquan. I mean, that is wow. like that's gold. That's you know? amazing. And, and she did this by herself, you know, with four kids, wow. thinking long term, going to garage sales, getting beds to put in other units, so they became summer rentals. Right. And furnishing it with uh, you know, thrift stores or whatever it was. And it's amazing that this person, you know, I don't think she was college educated or anything, mm-hmm. but she used resources. These are resources that are still out there if you want to make the sacrifice right. to do. And she built a small empire for her kids that when she passed away, they they, they had something nice there that their mom a single awesome. mom built with like very little to no education in it. That just shows you the power of real estate, really. Yeah, no, and, I mean, and if you make long it term you, thinking, it's it. I mean, it's not for everybody. Like no, I understand no, no. everybody's raised in a different environment. Not everybody's priorities are the next generation in that in that way. Like yeah. maybe they're not going to have kids. Maybe they're not in that world. They just want to make a. They want to make bucks. For now, they, yeah, that's it, and that's okay. But I think if you're th- 
if you're in this mindset and maybe you have kids, maybe you're thinking about have, having kids or you just want your legacy to survive you and you want to carry on things to other generations, if there is no better way to do it than than real estate and if you're writing music then you're publishing yeah. uh, but and having, the, a good, <laughs> and having a good contract lawyer probably for you <laughs> well for sure um, <laughs> but no in, in real estate when you're when you're in that mode um, and thinking long term just can't make flippant decisions of like I'm just gonna buy this and then flip it and I learned that by making a bunch of offers on stuff that luckily didn't go through and then like six months a year, three years later, I see it play out with different investors, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Then that, that's a whole nother uh, subject that most people don't even realize. They watch these fix and flip shows on TV, and uh, it, it's not as easy as you think. Um, it's a little easier for, I, I'm going to say, more established people that maybe they have larger lines of credit that mm-hmm. they can pull out of their house, and they could use that to finance the flip. But most people go with hard money loans, and they mm-hmm. have a high cost. You're talking like 11 to 14% interest plus points. Um, 11. Yeah, it's crazy. But, and but these are basically instant cash loans. You could close in 10 days. As soon as title closes, right. you're done. Uh, but all these things kind of – these are things that most people don't realize. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're getting they, – they see investment stuff on HGTV and they think this is easy or, you know, they see, uh, you know, a friend of theirs that might have investment properties and they're like, Oh, you know, this guy, he's doing it. It can't be that hard, but they don't realize like, like you were saying that you use Zillow. So, so now, you know, instead of using an agent to field your calls, now you're fielding all your calls. Well, I have the luxury of like, I work from home. I, I do music. It's a flexible schedule. I have the luxury of doing that. I, I'd say for 98% of people, that is not the case. Yeah, they're, they're at work. Like my wife works at a hospital. She can't field phone calls all day no. while she's in a trauma saying, hey, I'd like <laughs> to go look at your condo. Like it, it, it would just become – and you know like rentals, as soon as they hit the market, it, it explodes. I mean it, it, it's insane the amount of uh, traffic you get on a rental. I'd say the first week is the most important or the yeah. first three days – it's like first forty eight. Yeah, the, the first that first period of time is the. Uh, my dad is actually calling me right now, and I <laughs> turn, thought I turned my ringer off. Um, I think that time is the most important for those sites because you get hit like nonstop, and you got to be weeding through that in real time. You yeah. have to be weeding through it because somebody else is going to drop another property shortly. Exactly, and you got to be on top of who's inquiring and everything. Yeah, so you have to take down all these names. You got to set up appointments. Yeah. You got to kind of almost pre-qualify them on the phone, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I, I tried to pre-qualify them, give them a little bit insight, you know, what we're looking for as far as the tenant, maybe mm-hmm. credit score range, blah, 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 blah. Give them, you know, if you get that pre-qualification kind of done, and then you got to get them in quick because, like you said, there, there's another rental property dropping tomorrow or this right. afternoon. And that becomes your competition really fast. And then right. a good renter... It has that ability that multiple people are going to be like, yeah, you're approved, you're approved. And then they get to go, okay, well, where do I want to go? Right. And, you know, it, it, it's it's not a, a game for someone that doesn't have time to, to do No, I, 100% yeah. I know I have that luxury as far as being having a flexible schedule. But otherwise, in a heartbeat, like with selling, I think there's there's a lot more involved with selling that isn't necessarily involved with renting. Yeah. Uh, that – we needed an agent for that. Uh, 
and she's family and it makes sense and been in the business forever. Yeah, I won't hold it against you. It's, no, I know. But um I'm not salty at all. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but I needed an agent for yeah. I I would never do it for sale by owner. For my for myself. I'm not saying it's not right for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe you could talk about the benefits of doing it. Well, I, I t- or not doing it. Yeah, I mean I think for the majority of people, it's beneficial to have an agent there so that you're not put a little bit in that awkward position of meeting all these people. And some people, you know, it's it's hard for them to say no to other people like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's easier for me to kind of weed out people and say, OK, these people seem like they were good that came through. Mm-hmm. Um you know, let's. They're the ones that actually, because not everyone will fill out the credit report. Not not everyone wants to pay the thirty bucks or whatever. You know, a lot of times we charge them. Right, right, and, right. And I mean, we can't pay for everyone's credit. You can spend hundreds of dollars paying for other. Be- it shows the seriousness of the of the renter too when they actually cut a check or give you money to to pay for the credit report. But there's a lot there. Just all that fielding of information that I think. You know, agents are beneficial in that way. If you can't do it yourself, um, on the on the buy end, I think it's it's opposite. I think uh, on, on the buy end, I think you need an agent more than on the rent end. On the rent end, I think I agree. If if even if you just, I, I know landlords that would just say, you know what, I'm holding an open house Saturday and Sunday. If you want to come, they'd leave that on the message on the phone number. People came those days. That was it. You know, he it kind of condensed when they were going to deal with the situation. Uh, but you know, as an That's agent, an interesting way to do it. Yeah, and it, and it works because then you kind of put out a message that says Saturday and Sunday we're having an open right. house. Come there. We'll have applications. If they're serious, they're going to do it. If not, just move on. Mm. And it, and it's kind of good for someone like yourself that'll do it. You know, because getting those phone calls, it, it, it could be insane on, on the agent end. Not only is that person maybe they're coming to look at this one place, but now I might they might become my client to look somewhere else. Then I say, well, is there anywhere else I could show you? Right. So I can make money, you know, in different ways than you can. On so on the rental end, I think you can do it on your own if you if you kind of do it smart. Um, On the buy end, I think uh, you limit your exposure tremendously by doing for sale by owner. I, I said this on another podcast. I'll say it every podcast. It only in real estate does the the seller uh, well the the whole theology of it is the seller's paying everybody, right? And, it, and it's kind of because it comes out of the proceeds part of your sale. I equate it to like uh, buying a Coca Cola can of Coke. When you buy a can of Coke, Coke had a manufacturer, distributor, graphic artist, all these people that are involved advertising. Mm-hmm. But all that gets paid for by the end user. When he pa- goes get to the deli and spends a dollar on a can of Coke, that dollar right. pays everybody. So really, the person that's paying every commission is the buyer. The buyer is really paying everything. The buyer's the cost of doing business of the selling and the buying agent is all paid for by the buyer. It's kind of like when you buy something off of eBay. Now, I'm selling a, an iPod off of eBay you buy it off of eBay. I pay PayPal and eBay, their VIG, for me to sell it. Mm-hmm. But I already knew the, that was a cost of doing business. You'll see items on Amazon that are on eBay. They're selling the same stuff from China. But that's the cost of doing business. So I tell people, if you're selling a home, the, the cost of doing business is the, the, the commission fees. 
someone is going to pay you more without a doubt if they're seeing you're represented than not. It's like going to a flea market or, or a, gar- a garage sale. If, if you go to a garage sale and you see, I'm going to say Coke, a 12-pack of Coke there, you're not going to pay the same price at the garage sale as you would no at shop. chance. There's no chance. Nah. You want a discount. Right. And that's the same way people think when they do for sale by owner. Yeah. They go, well, why am I going to pay you market value that I, I could pay someone else and I could have representation? They have mm-hmm. representation. It, it only makes sense. It, you know, it's, it, and, and it's so similar to eBay and any product, you know, but I never in, thought about it like in this, real estate, they will never, ever have you think about it that way. They go, well, the seller pays everyone. And yes, technically the seller pays everyone. Technically the guy on eBay pays everyone, but the cost of the guy, the, the guy will only sell you that, that I, uh, you know, an iPad for 500 bucks because he knew that he wanted to get 480 bucks mm-hmm. and that money was built into the cost so right. when you think about it that way the house is still a product that you're selling so why aren't you using representation we're on the on the rentals end you know you're paying a higher cost you're paying normally one month's rent mm-hmm. out of the 12 to, to have an agent represent you it's more of a convenience like yes yes feature and- than it is a uh, kind of it doesn't change the value of the rental versus the exactly other, so. yeah because with with sites like Zillow and and all these other rental sites, your information gets out there, and there's more than enough renters out there normally to, yeah. to grab. We're on the buyer end, you know. So many buyers are working with an agent; they're scared of a for sale by owner. Agents don't want even want to talk about a for sale right. by owner, you know. Let alone, you know, most agents won't even call one and say, "Hey, are you willing to cooperate with me if I bring in a, a client?" Um, so you, on the buy, if you're if you're looking to sell a property. Even if it's an investment, I, th- I think you're not doing yourself any service by doing it on your own. I think even the trial, do it on your own. I'll put the sign out there. Mm-hmm. You might get a buyer, but if your buyer is in a pool, and I'll use a, a small, like a, you got a one of a hundred person, there's a hundred people in a pool of for sale by owner, and you got that one, like, okay, yeah, you got someone. But if you have a thousand people there, I mean, the pool is just the that, pool much is that much bigger, more competition. Right. And chances are it's going to drive up the value because. Well, even the signs are whack. Like the <laughs> signs are like AM radio, right? AM radio has not changed since the existence of radio. It still sounds like shit. The signs. Just, <laughs> yeah, I know. What the, the signs for, for sale by owner uh, yeah, still look yeah, red and white. Red dude. and white <laughs> with, with marker written on there. I mean, it, it, it just it, there's just so much you could get out of an agent, yeah. um, especially if you do your homework. You know, if, if you look at properties that you want to buy and then you look at how those agents stage those properties, um, you could really dive into, you know, finding an agent that's right, that's going to give you the most value. As a seller, I mean, really, you could offer that agent 3%. It doesn't matter because the, the person buying it is paying. That, that mortgage is paying all of it. You want the best representation possible for your property. So if that meant finding – you go online and you're like, man, this guy does drone work. He does video. I see him do Facebook ads, all this other stuff. Then you go, well, they're worth that money. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and in the end, the, the buyer – they're going to bring in more buyers because they're going be, to see this property. They're gonna, it's going to look appealing. And therefore, it's going to bring you're going to you're right. going to make 
the money that you're paying that commission is it's the cost of doing business. Well, that's aside, the way that I always felt. My experience, at least, has been like aside from the the upfront like marketing side of it, what's been valuable for us is like knowing when to time a price drop or like last week we were gonna entertain that idea and you know talk to our agent and she's like, well, it's you know you're coming to the Labor Day area like everything's kind of like weird market's a little weird right now. Yeah. Uh, let's wait. And these are the reasons why, because I've seen this trend this way. And ex- if I was doing it on my own, I'd just be like, let's do a price drop. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you just do things because you think it's a good idea, but why wouldn't you? Why, it's You go to a doctor to get things checked on your body when you don't know what they are. Or like a professional for anything else. Why would you not? When you're going to, it's the most expensive thing in your <laughs> life. Like yes. there is nothing more expensive that you own usually than a house. Absolutely. Why would you not bring in somebody who deals I, with that? I think in real estate, the the negative connotation is because you could do a 75-hour course, pass a test, and now you could represent someone in the biggest purchase of their life. Where a doctor, even the lowest scoring doctor, had to go through medical school internship. So I, I think people look at agents a little more negatively because of that. And I get it. Because I've seen agents out there that I go, I can't believe you're representing anybody. Right. Like, you have no... <laughs> I would let you yeah. watch my dog. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you're giving horrible advice. Right. And uh, and people believe you because you have that, that business card. Um, but that's where it comes down to doing your homework and, and hiring the right agent. Not just using XYZ because, you know, your best friend got her license. You know, and I'm everyone starts as a new agent. And I always say... Find out what other value that agent could bring you. Maybe when I started off, I couldn't bring the value of years of real estate experience, but I knew to my broker of 30 years could. And I knew that I, w- I, I would never be afraid to ask a question. So I No, w- I think you bring, I mean, and we don't have to play it up because yeah. people probably are tuned in because they know who you are. They've kind of done a little bit of homework. But to anybody who's listening who doesn't know who you are, <laughs> I feel like you're the guest on my podcast now. Um, I preach, think, preach. <laughs> I think you bring a value I've never seen. I, I'm sure they're out there, but I've never seen anybody take the angle and and put out the value you put out with being a contractor and knowing how to build, knowing how houses are built, being able to walk into a property and say like, "All that glitters isn't gold in here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like this is staged really well. Like the walls are painted really nice, but like I see a problem over here, and you know you pull up the carpet and there's you know half yeah, the floor is right deteriorated. Yep. I think that that is an incredible value to have and to be able to be candid with people, even though you want to sell, it's like, you're not going to short. I, I don't mean it in this way. You're not going to short sell somebody. You're not going to just push somebody, something Absolutely, on somebody if yeah. it's not the right fit and it could come back to haunt you. Yeah, uh, it, and I think that's a tremendous thing to value to bring to people. And, and, and this is a value that, you know, I mean, I'm proud that I offer that to my clients and they, my clients get all of me. And that's why I vet my clients a lot more now because I offer a lot. And, and I started my company, THS, so I could offer other agents and other clients that service. Because most contractors don't want to come out with you to look at a house. Mm-mm. There's no money in it. It's a waste of their time. 
So there, there needs to be a service where you could hire a professional to give you an honest opinion of an overview of the house when you're walking through. So you're not, so you know what you're buying and you're not just looking at, you know, how great the kitchen looks when there could be a serious problem down below. So uh, you're working in tandem with agents, but are you also working, you're, you're working for the agents or are you also working with agents and buyers? Like yes. if you're not representing them. So, so THS Tampani Home Solutions, what we do is, we offer uh, a service where we will work with an agent, a buyer, a seller, an investor, and we will do the walkthrough as their, their um, basically their consultant, their home consultant. So when we're walking through, we could tell them we have a 50-point like checklist of, and it's based off of home inspection. So we do, uh, now a home showing is only a half an hour. We're not doing a home inspection, but we will walk around, look at the condition of the roof, the siding, the windows, the doors. Um, and besides kind of giving a check between a one and five of what we think the condition is, we're there to answer questions like, how much do you think it's going to be to renovate this kitchen? What do you think it's going to cost? Can I move this bathroom over here? Is this going to, because all those questions determine if that person could really afford the house. Maybe mm-hmm. the house they could afford right now, but then they see they need to put 40000 into it. Right. Maybe they should look at a cheaper house that they could put renovations into. And it's just giving a lot of information. That's awesome. Because- I had another guest talk about uh, he had a client that had a contractor do the walkthrough with him. Once the contractor did that walkthrough, the guy purchased the house and said we could do as quick of a close as the mortgage company. They closed in 17 days because they did they, their initial walkthrough wow. kind of gave him all the information he needed. You know, wow. the water heater had this age, the, the roof looked like this, but they knew that they could attack that and put that offer in. And, and when you have that information, either you could – fast track it because you had that information or post home inspection. You're not flipping out because you just found out like, what do you mean the water heater's on? Right, right. And, and I mean, it was as obvious as day, but not every agent knows to point that out. Most homeowners won't put the, the age of, on the seller's disclosure. Some people don't even read the seller's disclosure. Right. So having someone there to kind of walk with that you, is awesome. it, it, it's important. So I'm, I'm glad that I could now offer this service to other agents, other clients, mm-hmm. you know, for me, that is the best part of real estate that I enjoy helping help the real estate end to me becomes easy because the, the hard end is knowing the product, the home. Well, I think what's cool about it too, is like, it, like you said, you do it a lot earlier than the home inspection. The home inspection is usually done at the end of the process yeah. or, or towards the end of the process. So you're doing it early. Um, and whatever whatever it costs to have you out is probably going to get offset by it and the offer. Or exactly. if they do it early enough, like maybe the offer, the formal offer isn't even in yet, and they're just doing. And that, and that's what I I tell people. I say you know call us up before you make go for a second walkthrough. Let's look at the house, and then we could discuss together with your great. agent, and we could come up with the proper offer. Right. You know, if the home has a bunch of issues, you're not paying top market value for it. Right. Or, or maybe you're, you're going to, but now you know you're going to ask for credits down the road. I don't know. Whatever, whatever your negotiating tactic is. But the more information you could have up front, and this goes for investors too. Uh, there's a lot of new investors that they don't know what they're walking into, especially on a fix and flip. They, they come to a bank owned and they go, oh, all right, yeah, I think I can make this sell for this much. And, and that's where we come in and say, okay, well, your renovation costs are going to be here. You know, let's talk about your financing. Let's get these numbers together. Let's work together. So then, at the end of the project, when you're putting your offer in, you know where you have to be with your numbers. Right. And I think that you know, it's good if you don't use me and you're not in Jersey. You know, 
network with a contractor, maybe make a prearrangement to say how much would you charge to come out and look at a house. You know, get or this if you done. are a contractor, yeah. think about Exa- offering this, this. This angle is exactly. a, is, a, is a cool is a cool way to kind of expand your business and your network. Absolutely, you know, it's it's all about helping people, and and the more people you help, it all it all comes back. I mean, I don't charge an astronomical amount for it, but that's not my, my intention is to have a client for life. So then after they buy the house, if they need uh, consulting on doing a renovation, they're going to come to me and I'm going to lead them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone, especially this many generations removed from people that done trades. You know, my, my father was a Mason. We're third generation, but there's many kids I went to school with. Their, their fathers never did a trade. They can't hang a picture. That's why people like me exist. <laughs> you know, this guy, uh, that, and that, that, uh, but but that's why having someone honest that's on your side. You need it. it you need it. And, and, and it's all about networking and, uh, and just doing your homework beforehand. So this, goes, this is a good segue into um, one of the things I wanted to touch on, which I think is true in any business, your business, my business. And I know it's becoming more, uh, more popular in real estate is, uh, you know, I preach this to new producers, new musicians. If you are not, if you're an introvert, you're you're just an indoor kid. You don't want to go out and be the hustler, but you love doing the you know the technical stuff. Uh, you know, find somebody to partner with that can do that aspect of the yes. business because uh, it could be detrimental detrimental to your career if you're the most talented person on the planet. It does not matter. Unless yes. there's somebody out there that can hustle and that can make, you know, doors open and so yeah. forth. And I know that's been becoming more apparent in real estate where there's realtors partnering to do deals and things like that. I know it has its shortcomings. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it's, uh, you know, being a partner in a group, you're very lucky when you find someone that you really click and you're the yin and yang to. I mean, my brother and I, we've been in business since 99, but we're the polar opposites, <laughs> you know. And uh, But that's why it works. But that's why it works. If you know, I'll hear him out. I know his ways. He knows my ways. And it just, it, it works. It doesn't always happen that way, you know, mm-hmm. especially when egos get involved. Right. So um, you have to take your time also to kind of find a partner, you know, especially. But I think somebody, like you said, you and your brother, that's, that's a unique circumstance. Yeah. Uh, Danny and I is a unique circumstance with music stuff. But if you can find somebody that can kind of, if you know you're lacking in, uh, maybe it's marketing and maybe it's uh, outreach. You don't like talking on the phone for whatever reason. Yes. It's, I know it's tough in your business to not want to talk on the phone, but yeah. if there's things you don't, you just know you're not skilled at, um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, kind of putting feelers out and Absol- seeing yeah. who can fill in those gaps and, and fill in the holes to, to make it all happen. You're because 100% then right. If you're only doing. Let's just say you're doing a sale a month. You're doing 12 sales a year and you're living off that. Maybe that could turn into 30 sales a year. And even though you're splitting it, you still have you know a few more sales a year than you would have had exactly. on your own. Exactly. Yeah, you so. basically have 15. Right. Yeah. I, I believe if you if it's kind of a you know you really have to look at yourself and really be honest with what's your shortcomings and and where you need help and and. It, it takes a while when when you know when you're starting a business, it's tough because you're everything in the business. You can't afford your bootstrap. You're you know you're mm-hmm. marketing. You're this guy, but I truly believe that when you figure out where you're lacking, if you could get help there, 
Man, that's a look. That's I mean, a game you, we, we talked. You were going to start a podcast. How do I start a podcast? Yeah, we were talking about it, talking about it, and then you were like, "Oh, I'm going to this place, shared <laughs> universe. They yeah. uh, they got everything. They got yeah. it all hooked up. That's it. And like now, you don't have to think about how to make a podcast. You could think about being a realtor and do all the things that you do to be a realtor, yep. but the component you don't have to think about. Oh, where is this XLR going? I got to deal yeah. with this Sim- simulcast yeah. on Facebook. No, like. These guys do it That's all what they the time. Do? Exactly. So, yeah, that, and, and it's it's all about knowing, you know, what you can. Screaming into this mic, like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> but it's true. Just just knowing, like, what you can and can't do right. will actually make you more money in the end. Absolutely. You know, like, like we were talking, you could do this the screening process for your clients, but for someone that may be doing another job that's, making them an, you know, a, a good living, for them to take time away to now become a real estate agent for the weekend, that might not even be worth the, the one month's rent. You know, right. if, For them, it might to miss a baseball game with their kid and, and a birthday party and to disrupt their lives. It's all about convenience. Like, you know, we come here, I come here for convenience. Could, could with, with the help of you, I, I'm purchasing stuff. I could get you know equipment, and I just I love this place and, and what they offer, the quality. So it's about convenience. I use them. You know, people use me for convenience. Everyone could kind of get by. There's people that do their own bathrooms, and it looks like crap. But you know, they it's did a it. functional toilet. It, it, it flushes. It, it flushes most <laughs> of the time. You know, but they do it for convenience. Right. You know, like they'd rather hire me so that they could go to work, make a living do their weekend stuff with their family and come right. back two weeks and their bathroom's finished. So, um, but that it, it's, it's important to know what you can't do and partner up with people that could kind of complement, you know, yeah. what you're And, and maybe you're it's lacking. not a formal, formal partnership. Like you're, you're not partners, partners here at this podcast studio, yeah. but, um, you know, compensating them for the, that aspect of, of things is it's a reasonable amount of money to come here. It's, it's not expensive. And, uh, I'm sure there's other parts of your business like graphic design or just other things that, yeah, you could do, but yeah. do just, just there's hire someone the, on Fiverr that'll do it for, yeah. for 15 bucks. There's yeah. no more $5 guys on Fiverr. On. Where did you guys go? Come on. India got expensive. I think. Yeah, it did. They, well, they got hot on like their value. Yeah, they, they know what they've got now. Well, I tell you, we could talk all day, but uh, we're gonna have to wrap this up. But I want to ask you four questions, a little quattro fire. Let's do it. Let's do it. So quattro I want to know. Fire. That sounds like the pizza I need tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing Go. it back to the food. Um, what's your favorite book? So I'm not a big reader, although I love audiobooks. And I feel like this is like cliche to say in here, especially. But one of my most favorite recent audiobooks that I listened to was Kevin Smith's autobiography. Really? Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, and he does these little asides off the chapters that aren't written in, in the book. Yeah. Uh, I love just, audiobooks. I, and Audible and is like Audible the best, is man. Yeah, I, I never – I resisted it for a long time and then yeah. – I took the free trial. Audible saved books. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it definitely did. Yeah, I, I took that free trial, and I downloaded one, and now I'm, I'm, I'm a monthly subscriber, and, and then I buy some other more. Yeah. But I, I love how um, how books get, you know, especially when the artists are in there, you know, uh, doing it. Like, I, I 
listened and not read. I have the Gary Vee book sitting on my Oh, I mean, Crush It yeah. is one of my favorites. I have on it there. sitting on my seat and I never opened it up, yeah. but I listened to it. <laughs> and it's nice how he kind of, like, hey, I'm going to step away. And, and it gives you like another dimension, another yeah. layer to the whole thing. So the, uh, Kevin Smith was awesome. I love Gary Vaynerchuk. And uh, Brian Cranston's was really, really good too. Yeah. Uh, he did his own and he the same type of thing, kind of stepped away and did That's, some little. That makes that it were, so much better. I kind of, even when I'm looking through, I look who's narrating it. Right. If it's if it's the the author, normally it's, it's a game a lot, changer. Yeah, it's normally a lot better than some random person. Yeah. Now, what's your favorite show? Favorite show? Ah, this is kind of up in the air. Uh, <laughs> is it a Food Network show? Well, they, yeah. they are no, they're they're like neck and neck, but uh, love Sopranos. Oh. My name, my dog's name is uh, Satriali. <laughs> uh, but I love Breaking Bad and uh, and Mad Men, so you know. Yeah, you got to. So, but there would be no Breaking Bad without a Sopranos, so yeah. I, I'm going to stay with Sopranos. You can't go wrong with Sopranos. And, yeah, and I, there's there's a lot of people that probably probably don't even know who they are right now. They've been off the air for a while, right? So, so get on Netflix. Is it on Netflix or it's no, on HBO. Amazon Prime? I HBO think. Go. I guess Amazon has HBO within it. I don't, I don't know. They have everything. Yeah, I know. Everywhere. It's crazy. Amazon <laughs> owns probably some of us. I don't even know. <laughs> What's your favorite quote? Favorite quote? Um, I'd have to say, and I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but <laughs> it's uh, there, there, are defin- there are a lot of people who are more talented than you, uh, but there's no excuse for anybody to outwork you. So uh, that's a Derek Jeter quote. Again, I probably butchered it, but that's essentially the point is like, you know, ten guys could make this pair of headphones, but uh, if you spend enough time doing it, they will be the dopest JVC headphones that you've ever had. So just uh, keep your nose down, keep grinding. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what other people are doing either. So that's the way we operate. No, that that's great. That it's. I, I try to tell people all the time, you just got to have blinders on, got to just work your ass off at whatever you're doing, and eventually the fruits of your labor show. A thousand percent. Yeah. I told you, this is going to take, <laughs> well, we know this is yeah. going to take over a year to start to snowball, but I'll be happy when I, I get to watch these and there's like tons of people pouring in. I was like, <laughs> I was one of the first people exactly. on there. Exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll have a... Uh, we'll do an open uh, at some club with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite piece of advice? Uh, favorite piece of advice. Maybe someone gave you. Maybe you could give somebody like. Uh... Actually, I don't adhere to it often, uh, and I should. Um, but my grandfather always told me, like, don't stack your yearbooks too high when you're carrying them. So, or don't put too many rocks in your backpack. So pretty much the idea is like when you try to focus on too many things or you try to bring on too many things into your life, whatever that might be, uh, they can become like rocks in a backpack where they get too heavy to carry around and you kind of lose your focus, you lose your energy. Uh, So again, it's a hard thing for especially somebody like me. Like I like to do a million different things. That's a hard one for most entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's really difficult, but I will say it it, when I have paid attention to it and I, you know, I focused on one thing, I didn't get too distracted. Uh, good things happened in that direction. And then when I achieve those goals, move on to something else. But, 
uh, that's that's probably. I wouldn't say it's a quote or anything like that. Yeah, but, but that's a great piece of advice. Good, it's a good piece of advice for yeah, sure. Because it, it's so easy to. I don't know. For someone like me, you, you kind of. I'm not saying you see the next shiny object, but you kind of. Yeah. You're like, oh man, that's a good idea. Like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta. Let me taste that real quick. Yeah, you know. And then all of a sudden, you, that other thing you were doing, which yeah. might have been like hot on the track of exactly, just falls. Yeah. By and the and you never know. It, it's kind of. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it's something that you got to work on daily. Yeah. So where can people find you? Give us some information. Where can, uh, you all know. right. So if you type in disco fries in Google, you're going to get two things. You're going to get lots of plates of French fries and Yum. then you, you'll start to see French fries with cheese and gravy. And then you'll start to see some pictures and, uh, news articles about us, but all our socials are the disco fries. So Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, you can hear our music. You can check out our podcast, uh, Liftoff Radio. There's like 40 or so episodes, yeah. hour-long episodes, so 40 hours of mix show. That's on, on uh, iTunes. On right? iTunes. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Come, and how did you come up with up. the Disco Fries? How, how did, how did we that... needed a name. We were at a Jersey Diner. <laughs> I think we were at the Swan Diner up the road, actually. Oh, so no good. Uh, and we were like, oh, I was looking at the menu. We weren't even talking about the name. Like disco fries, it's a that's that'd be a great name. All right, cool. Let's go with it. <laughs> Done. And that's that's that how is, it is. It, that was it. When you're thinking hard, you'll never yeah. get it. It's just exactly. you kind of look at something, you're like, oh, I'll be sweet tea from now on. You exactly, know? <laughs> exactly. I forgot to take questions on here. I've had my phone up the whole time. Oh. But if anybody's watching who wants to throw out a question, I know a bunch of people tuned in. Cool. Which is cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, you know, it's it's been great. I mean, we, we could chat all day, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we could probably do another few episodes. Yeah, so I'll do a drop for you real quick. Okay. You're tuned in to Mikey T right here. We're the Disco Fries saying what's up. First timers in the building. Buy that house, rent that house, get that house, sell that house. Let's go. Man, that is what's up. Make sure you uh, <laughs> edit that out and like just give me that drop. All right. <laughs> all right well, thank you for being here. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. My name is Mikey T. Michael Anthony Timpani, as my mama named me. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at THS Home Advisors and at Mikey T. Sells NJ Homes. A link to all the websites can be found on those social sites. And you can pretty much add a .com to all those names and get right to my website. Please leave a review on iTunes, share and subscribe to our weekly podcast. Message us with any questions and topics you may want to hear. And if you're a professional, you know, you could be a real estate agent, a mortgage person. I don't, you know, I'll have anybody on here. If you, if you have quality content and value you could bring to our audience, please reach out. I'd love to have you on. Together we can learn and grow. And I'd like to end with a quote, and this is by Ronald Reagan, Life is one grand sweet song, so start the music. God bless, and have an amazing week, everybody. Thanks for having me, man.